the world of Islam, culture, religion, and politics. Welcome to the World of Islam podcast. Thank you for listening. My name is Amin Tais. We continue discussing Islamic philosophy and we make a detour by a slightly different orientation but still influential intellectual trend within the world of Islam. We will spend a few minutes with a cluster of thinkers that call themselves the Brethren of Purity, in Arabic, Ikhwan As-Safa, short for the extended name Ikhwan As-Safa Wakhullan Al-Wafa, that can be translated as the Pure Brothers and Loyal Friends. What is fascinating, first of all, is that these individuals hid their true identities by embracing this group name. As a result, we really don't know for sure who they are. In fact, we mostly know of them because of an encyclopedic work that carries the title of the letters, Ar-Rasail, or Rasail Ikhwan As-Safa. The authorship of the work has been disputed both in pre-modern Islamic literature and modern academic scholarship. In the first pre-modern Islamic literature, we see at different historical junctures, different times of Islamic history, various groups making claims about the author of the letters in terms that served their own ideological or theological agendas, often connecting the Rasail, the letters, to a Shia Imam of one sect or another. Some extent works, some works that we have access to today, mention a list of authors of the letters. Among these are a work by the literary figure and philosopher Abu Hayyan al-Tawhidi, who died in 1023, and a work by the Mu'tazili theologian Al-Qadi Abdul-Jabbar, who died in 1025. But it is not clear to what extent their lists provide the real authors, for it is possible that these authors might just be compilers of earlier traditions or works. This is a question that has been at the center of recent debates in modern scholarship over the authorship of the letters. It is most likely, however, that the work reflects an Ismaili Shi'i perspective around the 10th century with probably later editions and modifications becoming part of the text, a common feature within the intellectual world of the time. To go back to Ismailism for a minute, you might recall that we had spoken in a previous episode about the splits within early Shiism between the Imamis, or the Twelvers, the Ismailis, or the Seveners, the Zaydis, or the Fivers, 
the numbering indicating the number of the imam within the genealogical chain down from Ali and Fatima, Muhammad's daughter, the number at which a group split, so that Ismailis split at number seven over the identity of the rightful seventh imam, taking the name of their seventh imam, Ismail. Each one of these branches of Shiism, the Twelvers, Imamis, the Ismailis, and the Zaydis, will develop further in different directions based on various socio-political factors. The Ismailis will generally be the most esoteric of the three, meaning the most focused on hidden meanings of revelation and therefore standing in stark difference to the exoteric Sunnis, who generally focused more or less on the apparent meaning of the religious texts. It is no surprise that this dichotomy played out in the political rivalry between the Abbasid declining rulers in Iraq and Iran with their support of the still-forming Sunni traditionalism and the then-rising Fatimid rulers that carried the banner of Ismailism as they conquered large parts of North Africa, establishing a major empire centralized in Egypt with eyes on expansion into Abbasid territory. The letters of the brethren might have represented one form of Ismaili doctrine around the time of the rise of the Fatimids and that articulated a vision of the world with the aim of Dawah, preaching for conversion. One feature of the letters is its seeming drive to unite various forms of knowledge, providing the reader with knowledge for learning, but also for spiritual purification. The Rasail, the epistles, letters, are divided into four sections. Section 1 is on the mathematical sciences, al-ulum al-riyadiyya. This section includes letters on geometry and arithmetic, but other letters are also added, including astronomy, geography, and logic, and rather curiously, a letter on ethics. Historians note various influences on this section, including Aristotle, Ptolemy, Euclid, and others. Section 2 covers Al-Ulum At-Tabi'iyya, the natural sciences. Here we find all the Aristotelian concepts of matter versus form, motion, time, place, and the classifications of mineral, plant, animal. Then a shift to the existence and peculiarities of human beings. Section 3 deals with spiritual 
and intellectual sciences. Here, historians note the influence of Neoplatonic philosophy and its emanationist model that we discussed in earlier episodes. Section 4 deals with divine and legal sciences. We see a treatment of metaphysical issues, but we also see a struggle here to put together various forms of knowledge, namely the Greek rationalist perspectives and the Islamic perspectives of the traditionalists. This section reflects out of all other sections, the difficult task that the Ikhwan brothers, brethren, sought to achieve a unifying frame of all knowledge. This task also highlights an important feature of classical Islamic thought. That feature is an openness to the philosophies, sciences, and perspectives of the various communities of the Near East, communities that came under the political control of Muslim empires. On this point, the Brethren of Purity, Ikhwan As-Safa, were influential far beyond their sectarian identity. Thank you for listening. I leave you in peace. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>